We are indeed blessed as a church family in so many ways. And one of the ways is through the willingness of our youth to be involved in worship and service. We're continuing our series on living life relationally. And today we're focusing on fellowship involves acceptance and love. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, we sing the song sometimes, just as I am, without one plea. But Lord, sometimes we forget that you do accept us just as we are. And as a result of our study in your word today, grant through the power of your sweet Holy Spirit that we will become more and more and more like you. And so realizing the importance of what we're about to study from your word, I'm offering myself as a vessel, a fresh and anew into your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear son. Please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight so that your purpose, your design purpose might be accomplished for each of us as individuals, as families, and as a church collective. Because as I pray and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. It is the desire of our Heavenly Father that his family be tightly knit together in fellowship. And a part of the glue that wells us together is acceptance and love. The desire of Heavenly Father that his family maintain affectionate regard one for another was expressed by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae, and it's still God's desire for his family today. I read from Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 2. That their hearts might be comforted, and underscore this next phrase, being knit together in love. So a part of the process of being comforted is as we are knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. One of my favorite writers was impressed to pin the following, and it would do us well individually and collectively to read it often. It's from a work titled Testimonies for the Church, Volume 3, page 446. Listen closely. God wants his people to be united in the closest bonds of Christian fellowship. And as if someone is about to ask, well, why is this so important? She continued, and I believe she was inspired by God's sweet Holy Spirit. Confidence in our brethren is essential to the prosperity of the church. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you want this local church to prosper? I believe that's your desire, 
And God is saying to us that if we as a church are going to prosper, there must be confidence in the brethren among ourselves. It is essential. If you do not have confidence in me, prosperity of this church will suffer. If I do not have confidence in you, prosperity of this church will suffer. If we do not have confidence in one another, prosperity of this church will suffer. And then she continues, union of action is important in a religious crisis. My brothers and sisters, do we really understand that we are headed for a religious crisis like this world has never seen before? I believe we could be on the very threshold of this religious crisis. And there must be union of action among us and between us during this religious crisis. And I would say it must be among us and between us before we get to the religious crisis. You see, acceptance has to be an integral and an essential part of our Christian experience with one another if biblical beneficial fellowship is not only going to exist but also to flourish in the days in which you and I are living. In the letter that Paul wrote to the Christian church at Rome, he was inspired by God's sweet spirit to pen these words in Romans chapter 15 and verse 7. Wherefore, on the basis of what he had already said and written, receive you one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Question, how are we to receive one another? How am I to receive you? How are you to receive me? How are, to you, how are you to receive one another? Look at it again. He said, wherefore receive you one another as Christ also received us. Jesus is our role model. And when we receive one another like Jesus receives us, it is to the glory of God. That Greek word used for received here is a very interesting word. It means to accept. It means to welcome. It means to admit into friendship. Now, I want to go back and reread this verse and insert those words. Wherefore, accept you one another as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Wherefore, welcome ye one another, as Christ also welcomed us to the glory of God. Wherefore, admit to friendship one another, as Christ also admitted us to friendship to the glory of God. Now, will you agree with me? that as a general rule, it is easy to do this when someone agrees with us. It's easy to do this when, when they are the same principles and the same convictions we are. Will you agree with me on that? 
Well, having agreed with me on that, go with me a left in the book of Romans to chapter 14 in verse 1. Him or her that is weak in the faith receive. May I repeat that? Him or her that is weak in the faith receive. Now, let me reread this verse inserting those words. Him that is weak in the faith accept. Him that is weak in the faith welcome. Him that is weak in the faith admit to friendship. So what must you and I conclude? The only conclusion we can come to is that we must accept one another. We must practice acceptance if we're going to live life relationally within the body of Christ. Believers are to acknowledge one another. Believers are to accept one another as Christians and believers are to treat one another as such even though we may be of differing opinions about minor matters. Now follow me closely. We may not condone what one another is doing. We may not agree with one another on all points. But my brothers and sisters, we must accept one another. It's one thing to accept, again, those who are of like principles and convictions and are strong in the faith like we are. But my Bible says, I am to accept you even though you may be weaker in the faith than I am. And you are to accept me even though I may be weaker in the faith than you are. Question, who is our role model? Jesus, right? Let's go to Luke chapter 15 and continue looking at our role model. Luke 15 in verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees were religious leaders of that day. And notice what they were murmuring about, saying, This man, referring to Jesus, receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Jesus is our role model. And my brothers and sisters, if Jesus was willing to receive, if Jesus was willing to accept, if Jesus was willing to welcome, if Jesus was willing to admit you and I into friendship with him despite all of our challenges, if he is our role model and we would be like him, we must do the very same thing. Would you agree with me that we are living in a very unaccepting generation? We are living in a very unaccepting society. And I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that we are living in an age when people are hungry and thirsty for acceptance. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, and I have concluded that one of the major reasons for the explosion and flourishing of social media, whether it be Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram, whatever. But one of the major reasons for the explosion of social media is because there is an innate need within all of us to be accepted. There's an innate need within all of us to be welcomed. There's an innate need within all of us to be admitted to friendship. Now, if you do not believe this, and you are not on Facebook, and I am, if you do not believe this and you're not on Facebook, ask someone who is on Facebook how many friends he or she has. And then ask how many of them do you personally know? <laughs> you see, there is an innate need within all of us to be accepted. And not only is there an innate need within all of us to be accepted, there's also an innate need within all of us to accept others, to welcome others, to admit others into friendship. And listen to me carefully. Any Christian, any local church who refuses to recognize this need will live a life that is void of true fulfillment of joy that only unconditional accepting of other people can bring. When a person is baptized, as we observed last Sabbath, one of my practices is to have them come to the front and for the church members to come by and extend the right hand of fellowship. Now, what does the right hand of fellowship indicate? It indicates to that individual, you have been welcomed before, but you are being welcomed now in a way that you were not welcomed before. You were accepted before, but you are being accepted now in a way you were not accepted before. You were a part of friendship before, but now you're a part of friendship that you were not privileged to before. You are now a part of this local church family. And sadly, the acceptance does not always continue. And when it does not continue, relationships become strained, sometimes even severed, and we cease to live life relationally in accord with what the Bible prescribes. And so I want to repeat a statement I made earlier. If Christ was willing to receive us, if Christ was willing to accept us, if Christ was willing to welcome us, if Christ was willing to admit us to friendship with all of our issues and challenges, my friends, you and I, if Jesus is to be our role model, must do the very same thing. Now, that's easy to say with the lips. But it becomes quite challenging to put it into practice. So the question we need to ask ourselves is this. How is it possible? How is it possible not only to begin, but also to continue this kind of acceptance that was role modeled by Christ? How is it possible? Only one way. By love. Only one way. Through love. Only one way. Love. Now, since we've already listened to the Apostle Paul and we've already listened to Jesus, I want us to continue listening as they speak in this regard. 
First of all, back in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Romans 12 and verse 10. Be kindly affectioned to one another in brotherly love. That term, kindly affection, is a very interesting word because it expresses a tender affection, a tender love that exists between family members, relatives. And so it's a very appropriate term for the Christian family, the family of God. Believers in Jesus Christ are to regard one another affectionately because we're all sons and daughters of the same Heavenly Father. And God has no respect to persons. And because God has no respect to persons, neither should you and neither should I. Now let's listen to Jesus. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Christ is about ready to go to the cross. He's meeting with his disciples and listen to what Jesus said to them and is saying to us. A new commandment I give unto you. And I can almost imagine that wherever they were sitting, whether it was on a sofa, whether it was on a rock, wherever they were sitting, they probably slid to the edge of their seat in anticipation because Jesus is about to share something new with them. What is Jesus going to do? What is this new commandment he's going to give us? Listen, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Now, there's nothing new in that, is it? That's an old principle. But here's the new that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then he says, by this, by you loving one another as I love you, he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for or to another. Now, will you agree with me that in order for there to be a new commandment, there had to be an old commandment? Will you agree with me on that? So what was the old commandment? Let's go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. In Leviticus 19, he focuses on two groups in the context of what I'm sharing with you, a neighbor and a stranger. Someone that is close to you and someone that is far removed from you. Look at Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Leviticus 19 verse 34. But the stranger thou shalt love him as thyself. This was the old commandment in regard to love. They were to love others as they loved themselves. This was what Jesus spoke concerning in Matthew chapter 22 that we looked at a few weeks ago when the individual came to him and asked what was a great commandment. Remember that? 
When Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, this is the first and great commandment. And secondly, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So Jesus was referring to Leviticus chapter 19. But now, Jesus in John 13 is making a change in the way they were to love one another and the way you and I are to love one another. Jesus said to his disciples then, and Jesus is saying to we followers of his today, members of his body, members of the Christian church, that we are to love one another just like he loves us. Wow. And so the question I'm asking, and we're going to allow the Bible to answer, is this. How did Jesus love? How does Jesus still love? Let's go back to John chapter 13 and verse number 1. John 13 verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, underscore, for the rest of your life and living, he loved them unto the end. Question. Did Jesus love John, who wrote these words, unto the end? Absolutely. Even though John had some defects in his character. John was called a son of thunder. He wanted to call down lightning on one occasion and burn up some people. James and John got together on one occasion and, and sent their mother to Jesus with a request. And the request was, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, let us sit in an elevated position. Jesus loved John until the end. In fact, someone has penned that Jesus loved John so much, he loved John to death. <laughs> what a great way to die. Question. Did Jesus love Judas until the end? Absolutely. Do you remember how Jesus addressed Judas? When Judas led that mob into the Garden of Gethsemane? When Judas came up and kissed Jesus on the cheek as a sign to that mob who they were to take prisoner, do you remember how Jesus re responded to him? What word did he use? friend. Jesus loved Judas unto the end. Did Jesus love Peter unto the end? That boisterous disciples who said, I will never deny thee. And yet in a short span of time, he denied Jesus three times. Did Jesus love Simon Peter all the way to the end? Absolutely. And I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that after Peter was looked at by Christ and after he went out and wept bitterly, later he wrote these words with quill and ink from personal experience that's recorded in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Listen. He said, brothers and sisters, church, 
hearkened. Above all things, have fervent charity or love among yourselves. Now, to whom was he writing? He was writing to fellow Christians, fellow members of the body of Christ. And Peter said, when you look at everything else, he said, above everything, you must have fervent love among yourselves. And as if someone were about to ask, well, Pastor Peter, why is this so important? Look at his response. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, we know that that's true in respect to Heavenly Father, don't we? God's love will cover a multitude of our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but might have everlasting life. But my brothers and sisters, do you understand the context of this last phrase? Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. The context is our horizontal relationship with one another. Look at it. Above all things have fervent charity or love among yourselves. This kind of love relationship we have with one another will cause us to look beyond one another's faults and see one another's needs just as God looks beyond our faults and sees our needs. And just as the love of God will cover a multitude of sins, even so your love for me and my love for you, your love for one another will cover a multitude of sins. Do you think God's sweet Holy Spirit, as Peter wrote these words, may have been reminding him of a passage penned by the wise man hundreds of years before? <laughs> I think so. It's found in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 12. Listen carefully. Hatred stirreth up strifes. Now, that's gloomy, isn't it? That's sad, but there is a message of hope. He said, hatred stirreth up strifes, but love does what? One more time, does what? One more time, does what? Love covers all sins. He's talking about a horizontal relationship there. So how many sins will be covered if we love one another? All sins. That doesn't, again, mean that we're going to condone. It doesn't mean that we are going to, that we're going to agree. But my brothers and sisters, it does mean that we will have an impact and influence on the lives of others through the love that we have and the love that we display. Is there a need for revival of this kind of fellowship? I believe so. When I was doing research for this sermon, I read the following in our Seventh-day Adventist commentary, and my life has not been the same since 
And I pray it will have the same impact on you. It's what our commentary has on 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8 that I read just a few moments ago. Follow me on the screen. The supreme test of Christianity is its effect on our relations with one another. May I repeat that? The supreme test of Christianity is its effect on our relations with one another. What's it saying? We're to live life relationally. Love knows no limits. Never fails. It, talking about love, it binds in Christian fellowship men of differing background and opinion. I wish I had the opportunity. Am I smiling? Can you see my teeth? I wish I had the opportunity to stress this to every Christian on the face of planted earth. Let me read it again. It binds in Christian fellowship men of differing background and opinion. It's all right to have differing opinions. Continues. There is no church problem that cannot be resolved in the atmosphere of intelligent, selfless love. My brothers and sisters, if we practice what I have been sharing today, there would never be another church division. There would never be another church split. Where charity is lacking, there is a tendency to magnify the faults and failings of others. Amen or ouch. Where love reigns, men are willing to forgive and forget. That is powerful. In just a few weeks, I'm going to preach a whole sermon on that. My brothers and sisters, you and I not only need to forgive, there are some things we need to forget. We need to have memory losses, short-term and long-term. Furthermore, a manifest spirit of brotherly love is certain to attract the attention of the unconverted and to lead many of them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Acceptance and love will make a difference in our lives as individuals, our families, and our churches. And I would say also in the world you and I are living in. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for who you are 
Thank you for your patience, your long-suffering. Thank you for being such a heavenly father that we can look to you and have a desire to be like Jesus. Father, we're offering ourselves now as candidates to be more accepting of others. And Father, we confess with our lips what's in our heart. This is difficult. It's hard at times. And so we're offering ourselves afresh and anew at this very moment to have the love of Jesus ignited within us as never before so that we will be followers of this new commandment not just to love others as we love ourselves but to love others like Jesus loves them because this pray pray and praises for victories I give in the loving name of Jesus I want us to sing that course again and as we're singing it, I want you to offer your mind and your heart to God's sweet Holy Spirit. And if God's sweet Spirit brings anyone to your mind and heart that you have not been as accepting concerning as you should have and could have, as we sing this little course in your own silent way, would you just respond, Lord, here I am. Change me through your love for your glory and your honor. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. There is only one God. There is only one King. There is only one body. is why we sing. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with love. Amen. Dear Father, as we leave this place to re-enter an unaccepting world, help us to leave with the attitude of acceptance through the love of Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.